Good morning and welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast. My name is Joe Thompson, your host, and I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and those at home wherever you are. We missed Thursday. We weren't on Thursday, but we're going to continue our study today, Tuesday, the 28th, I guess it is. Yes, 28th of November, and I can't believe it. Where is 2023 gone? <laughs> it's gone. It's out of here. It's out of the park, and it's it's almost in the books, and so we are already into, well, it feels like winter here where I'm at in central Virginia. It's a cold, windy Tuesday morning, but it's actually still supposed to be fall, but anyway, wherever you are, I hope you're doing well, and I hope God is blessing you, and He will if you will study with us in the book of Luke this morning, chapter number 5. Every time we open God's Word, He speaks, and when He speaks, He gives us direction, and of course, included with that is blessing as well. And so, we're going to continue. Luke chapter number 5, Jesus now is early in His ministry, and He is uh, preparing those who will assist Him, his, His 12 disciples, and so He is still gathering those, and we're going to see here in the first few verses, we are introduced to Simon Peter, and uh, we will see what he does here with him. Verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Now, it's, it's, it's very interesting. This is why they came. Um, we will often speak of the scribes and Pharisees. And you can be sure when they're around, they're not there to hear the Word of God. But we're talking more about the common people, the ones who understood that they needed a Savior. They came to hear the Word of God specifically for that purpose. Notice what happens here. He stood he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two, and saw two ships standing. Now watch what he does here. Standing by the lake, but, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So evidently it, it must have been early in the day because in those days fishermen usually fished at night. Uh, well, you could fish anytime, but any good fisherman will tell you that it, you know, one of the best times to fish is at night. Now, I don't know why that's true. I'm not a professional fisherman. Uh, if I catch fish when I do, when I fish, it's not very often, but when I do fish, I can assure you if I catch them, it's totally by accident. Okay, and I remember one time we went out, this was some 30 years ago, as a matter of fact, and we'd spent the whole day at a lake, at a local lake here close to where I live, and we'd camped out actually the night before and um, fished and swam and camped and did everything. Well, we were fishing. I wasn't catching anything, of course, that's normal, and my wife wanted to try, and uh, so I thought, okay, she won't catch any either, so, you know. But uh, for some reason, I had the video camera, and I had it pointed in her direction. And I'm telling you, no sooner did I start the tape rolling, you know, those of you old enough to know what a video camera used to be like. It used to be that big bulky thing you carry on your shoulder and all of that. Okay, so we had that thing on, and I mean, within 60 seconds after I turned the tape on, she comes up with a fish. And so I thought, well, I wish I hadn't had the tape on, but no, I'm glad I did. But she caught a fish that day. But anyway, the point is, uh, these are fishermen. Now, what Jesus is going to do here, 
he's going to use this as he so often does uh, he's going to use this as an opportunity to do several things number one he's going to use it as a teaching opportunity and folks th you know this brings out something that that I'm really wanting to get out this morning let God use everyday events in your life to teach you to speak into your life what he wants you to learn those lessons allow God to do that okay God will use any and every available means to to teach us and to help us grow and that's what he's about to do here okay and of course he's also going to use this to call one of his disciples now watch this and he entered into one of the ships uh, which was Simon's and prayed him meaning Simon that he would launch out a little from the land uh, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship so uh, all right remember we talked last time about you know the, the the Jewish teacher he would sit down and teach while the people stood and that's kind of what this is about here he's sitting in the boat and teaching not too far but far enough away uh, I'm not exactly sure why he wanted to get into the ship. I'm not exactly sure why, other than the fact what he is about to do with Simon Peter. Um, so he had a purpose in what he was doing. And um, so he's teaching here. They're listening. He's teaching. He specifically picked Simon's boat out of all the boats that were there. He has a purpose. Okay, God has a direct purpose in everything he does. Okay, he could have picked anybody else's boat, but he picked Simon's boat. Okay, everything that happens in your life happens for a reason. You say, well, Pastor, what is the reason? Well, I don't know the reason all the time. Okay, I don't always know what God is up to as far as, you know, what's his purpose and plan. I don't always know that. Okay, what I do know is that God is at work. There's never a time when God is not working in my life and your life. So he's teaching in this boat. Now, now, verse 4, now when he had left speaking, we don't know how long he spoke, uh, he said unto Simon, now he directly deals with him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a draft. In other words, I know it's daylight, I know you've been out all night, I know the best time to fish is at night, but I want you to do something that you're not used to doing. Go out and cast your nets out again. And so what he does, he basically, it, well, he's, he's doing several things. Number one, he's calling Simon out of his comfort zone. Okay, now Simon's a professional fisherman. And I and, and, and you know what? I, I, I believe that. Okay, Simon knows what to do when it comes to fish. That's his livelihood. That's his job. That's what puts food on his table. And he knows how to do it. And here's Jesus, a Jewish teacher, getting in the boat saying, hey, I want you to go out and try to catch some more fish. Wrong time, wrong time of the day uh, for a lot of reasons. One, you don't fish during the day much. Number two, everybody's probably tired. They've been up all night. And yet God steps in and says, I want you to do something. And you know, sometimes God will ask us to do things that are inconvenient to us. He will. He will interrupt our lives. And he will say, look, I want you to do this. Uh, when you're tired remember back in Mark chapter 6 remember after all they went through with the beheading and killing of John the Baptist and and you know the Bible says they didn't have so much leisure as to eat I mean they couldn't even sit down and drink coffee and have a sandwich without 
you know, someone coming along having a need of some sort. What did Jesus do? Run the people off? No, he ministered to the people. Listen, sometimes life gets tough. Sometimes the schedule gets cramped and there are things that we have to do. And God will sometimes call us out of our comfort zone and say, no, I want you to do something different than you're used to doing. He will say something about tradition in this chapter. Um, tradition is is good unless it rules our lives. Okay, I don't know where I just got that from. Uh, you know, tradition is good. You've got to have a plan, an organized plan, but it can be bad in the sense that, well, we've always done it this way, so we're going to continue to do it this way even if it doesn't work. Okay, I know some churches who do that, all right? Some churches that you go there and they do certain things and they have no inkling of an idea of why they do them. They just said, well, we've done it this way for a hundred years. You know, grandma started this, great grandma started this, and we're still doing it here in 2023. And we don't really know why, but we're going to continue doing it. Well, okay, you can do that. But if it doesn't work, then you need to find some other means, okay? That's like reaching people for Jesus Christ. You cannot use the same method all the time and expect for it to work, okay? Now, I'm going to say something that's going to really rub the holy grail of the Baptist church in the wrong way here, okay? I grew up in the Baptist church. All of you know that. You've been listening to me long enough, you know. I grew up in the fundamental Baptist church. And, you know, what were you supposed to do? You know, go out, knock on doors, visit people. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not knocking that, okay? There are times you do go up to somebody's house, knock on their door, you know, and, and you know, they invite you in, you talk to them, okay? And, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's bad. But what I am saying is in 2023, that may not be the best approach, okay? Society's different in 2023 than it was in 1973, okay? People are different today. People are more skeptical. People are meaner. Maybe they're not meaner. Maybe I'm just more aware. I don't know. But you really have to be careful whose door you knock on these days. Uh, and I, I know what some churches do when they pass out their visitors cards, and a lot of churches don't do that anymore either. You'll scan a QR code on the you know the back of a chair, and you know and you you know your phone will go to a website, and you can enter your information that way. So it's a modern visitors card, if you will. But you know what churches will sometimes do? They'll ask on the card, you know, do you want a pastoral visit? There's some people that don't want one. God is not at work in their life. Okay, listen, you can go knock on 50 doors, talk to 50 people. If God is not at work in their life, you've wasted time. Now, you don't know that, obviously. Okay, I've pastored before. I know what I'm talking about, okay? We knocked on thousands, literally, of doors in the town where I lived in the five and a half years I pastored. I can't tell you how many pieces of paper we passed out, brochures, just simple brochures, one-page brochures that we made up about our church, service times, and I'm not saying that all of that was wrong. I'm not saying that all of that was fruitless. You know, I won't know the results of all that till I get to heaven. I we, we passed out thousands of tracts. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that when you let tradition rule, let the Holy Spirit guide and direct. Okay? In what in your choices that you make as far as reaching people for Jesus Christ. 
in our modern world, you know, it, it's, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm on this podcast, okay? Because I know that a lot of people listen to audio. They listen to podcasts. Everybody on planet Earth has a phone. Okay, really, even in the poorest villages of Guatemala, people have a phone. It's, it's unbelievable. You wouldn't think they would, and I'm not sure where they get them or how they come across them, but everybody's got a phone. I mean, they may be living in huts, eating rice and beans, but they've got a phone. Somebody does. And, you know, I'm just telling you that, you know, you know, the electronic way to reach people is the way to go these days, okay? Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, so tradition can be good, but it can also be counterproductive. And so Jesus here is going to use this. He, he's saying to Peter, go out, go against your tradition, go against everything that you know is, is right as far as your profession, and do what I'm asking you to do. In my book, Bottling the Great Commission, I write about, you know, in the first chapter when I talk about missions. And, you know, why do people do the silliest things, I will ask in the book. I will say, why do people, you know, quit their jobs? I mean, literally quit their jobs. I, I've known people who've been, you know, professionals for 20 years and they quit their jobs and go to the mission field. Crazy. And people would say, you're crazy for giving up that money, that salary. But you know why they do it? They do it because God called them to do it. And that is what Peter is experiencing or about to experience here. He's experiencing the call of God to do something he's not used to doing. Look what the results are, starting in verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. They've been up all night. And have taken nothing. Look, we, we're out here, you know, and... I don't know where you're going to get fish, but we haven't seen any fish. We've been out here all night. But look what he says at the end of the verse. Nevertheless... At thy word, I will let down the net. Boy, I, don't you love that? Peter's honest. I love Peter's honesty here. You know, we need a good dose of honesty today in our world, don't we? Lord, you know, I don't understand what you're calling me to do. You know what? I'm not sure this is going to work, God. I'll just be honest with you. But you know what? Since you said to do it, I'm going to try it anyway. Okay, and Peter's been criticized for that. Let's give the guy a break. At least he did it, okay? It might have been half-hearted. It might have been, you know, uh, okay, I'm not really sure, you know. He might have had half the faith that somebody else claims to have. But you know what? At least he said, hey, we're going to do it. Well, he does it. He lets down the net. Now watch verse 6. And when, and, and, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. I mean, they caught so many fish, the net broke. And what? They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. Guys, I need help over here. Uh, we got all these fish. The boat's about to sink. Okay, and they came. They came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. <laughs> Imagine that. Now, I've never been in a boat. Now, I've been in a boat that's been sinking. One time I forgot to put the plug in. Or actually what I did was I put the keys in my pocket and I didn't realize that the plug was on the key ring. And when my father-in-law put the boat in the water, we all forgot about that. And water began to go in the boat. Okay, so we had to get it back to shore real quick and get the plug in. Ruined our chicken dinner, but uh, we didn't perish by any means. And so that's the only experience I've ever had with a sinking boat. All right, well, Peter has a sinking boat, but he learns a valuable lesson. 
when Simon Peter saw it, he, notice what he does, fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's what God wanted him to see. See, God works in your life, God works in our lives, my life and your life, using circumstances to draw us, not to um, hurt us, but to get us to see ourselves what we really are. Okay, because if he leaves us in that condition, what's going to happen? We're going to perish, right? And so he allows this to happen so that Peter will understand He's the Messiah. I'm, not, you know, I'm trusting in the wrong thing. I am a sinful man. I need a Savior. And folks, that's what this is all about. Okay, you need a Savior today. I need a Savior. You know, I'm reading in my personal devotions. I'm reading Exodus this week, and you know, I read the Ten Commandments this morning. And you know, as I read those Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, you know what I began to think about? I began to realize, you know what? I've broken every one of these at some point in my life. You think about that. Just read through the Ten Commandments and answer yourself this honest question. Have I broken any of these? And you know what? I dare say everyone listening to the sound of my voice has broken at least one of them. And I dare say probably all of us have broken all of them at some point. If not actually physically, in our hearts we've broken them. And Jesus puts that on the same plane as doing in Matthew 5. If we've done it in our heart, certainly we're guilty. We're sinners. We need a Savior. That's what Peter sees. I need a Savior. Verse 9. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, remember he's dealing with him specifically, said unto Simon, fear not. Okay, so you realize you're a sinner, so you have the guilt and condemnation, you think. Well, what does God do? He says, fear not. Okay, there is a solution to your sin problem. You don't have to go through life guilty. You don't have to go through life bearing that load of guilt and shame of sin. He says, first of all, fear not. From henceforth, now watch this, thou shalt catch men. In other words, what is he saying? First of all, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to do away with your sin. And not only that, I've got a bonus for you. I am going to do something with your life. I've got a plan for your life. And you're listening to me today, and you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Number one, you can trust Him as your personal Savior. Ask Him to forgive you. Get the forgiveness of sins that He offers. And then number two, stand by for the plan that He has for your life. He's got a wonderful plan mapped out for you, and He will direct you day by day by day. The Apostle Paul went through that in Acts chapter 9. He was saved on the road to Damascus. And what did God do when he was in that house and he couldn't see? Ananias walks in, put his hands on him. He receives his sight. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens? Not only is he renewed, he's given a new life, a new start, but he's also given a plan. Okay, Paul. Well, Saul at that time. I get my Pauls and Sauls mixed up. Just like I get my Abrams and Abrahams mixed up in Genesis. I'm going to give you a new life and I'm also going to use you. I've got a plan for you. 
God loves you. Listen, folks, he loves you. He wants to use you where you are, okay? And he can do that. Verse 11, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Peter knew this was something special. And he says, okay, you know what? I'm going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, now, this is what Simon did, okay? This was God's plan for Simon. Is that God's plan for you? Does that mean if you get saved, you quit your job? No, not necessarily, okay? God may want to use you, like I just said a minute ago, where you are, okay? Wherever it is. Now, God may call you to quit your job and go to the mission field. God may call you to quit your job and go in the ministry here in the, uh, on the mainland of the United States. He may call you to do something else. He may get you to change jobs. I don't know. But just make sure that whatever you do, it's in the plan and purpose of God. Okay? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm saying that because so many times, you know, I've heard sermons. People read verse 11 and the preacher will say, you know, well, you got to quit your job and you got to follow Jesus. Well, you know what? Yeah, do that if God calls you to do that, but he may want you to follow him while you're on your job. You say, well, I'm a ditch digger. Well, okay. Now I'm a saved ditch digger. Well, okay. You know, I use a jackhammer every day. I work on the roads. I work for the highway department. Uh, I work construction. I do this. I do that. God can use you where you are. In fact, you know what? He can reach people through you that I can never reach sitting behind this desk in this office working and teaching and writing and doing all the things that I do every day, okay? So uh, God uses us in different capacities where we are many times, and I don't think we need to forget that. Verse 12, Luke chapter 5, uh, And it came to pass that when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. Now, leprosy was a disease that was incurable. It's a type, listen, it's a type of sin, Okay. So he's full of leprosy. It's interesting, the Bible says he's full of leprosy. I mean, this you know, this guy is totally consumed. He, he doesn't just have a little bit of leprosy. He's got a lot of leprosy. It's consumed his whole body. Full of leprosy. And seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt. I mean, he's the only hope this guy's got. If thou wilt. Thou canst make me clean. And you know it's interesting that this story takes place right after Peter's experience because some of you right now, you're listening and you're saying, does God really want to forgive my sin? Does, does, does God truly want to forgive me? Man, he could if he wanted to. I sure hope he does. And you know what? The Bible says, verse 13, And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Now it's interesting, he touched him. In this case, this leper probably had been without human touch for a long, long time. Back in those days, if you were if you were diagnosed as being a leper, you were done. Okay? No more human contact, no nothing. Family, friends, nothing. You know, if you think COVID was bad, you couldn't be a uh, remember back remember back like it was in COVID? Remember back how the church was closed? Nobody went to church. Nobody, okay, and, you know, the professionals started to say people are suffering because there's no human contact. Well, imagine what these lepers went through. They had none at all. So the first thing Jesus does, he touches this guy, but he says, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy, what? Departed from him. 
Is Jesus willing to cleanse you and forgive your sins? You better believe it. He's ready, willing, and able at 10, at, at 10 18 this morning right now. What That's what time it is when I'm recording this. Whatever time it is when you're listening. He's ready, willing, and able to forgive your sin if you're just willing to do three things. Number one, admit you're a sinner. See, before you can be saved, you got to admit you're lost. Okay, people don't go to the doctor because they're well. They go because they're sick, right? Three years ago, I went to the doctor because I had a hearing problem. I had to admit, I have a hearing problem. Okay, so I, okay, so what did I do in the previous days before I went? I didn't go, right? Because I, nah, it'll get better. It wasn't getting better. Okay, so I had to go, right? Admit you're a sinner. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means put your faith in Him and Him alone. Not Jesus plus something. Not Jesus plus your works. Not Jesus plus your clergy. Not Jesus plus this plus that. Put your faith in Christ alone. And then right there where you are. Here's the good news. Right there where you are listening to me on your phone, your tablet, your computer. You can call on Jesus right now to save you. You know what? He will do that. He will reach down. He will touch your life. He will cleanse you. He'll give you a new life. He'll forgive your sin. It'll be as, as cast as far as the east is from the west. And then he'll begin to show you his plan for your life. And, and it'll unfold day by day by day. Wonderful plan. Verse 14. And he charged him to tell no man but go and show thyself to the priest and offer thy cleansing according to Moses Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So they were still in the Old Testament era. This is before the cross and he's not yet been revealed as the Messiah and that's why he's saying, hey, don't tell anybody who I am just yet. I'm not quite ready for that to be let out. Verse 15, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear, okay, two things. First of all, to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So first of all, they came to hear. Hear what? The word of God. See, that's the uh, that's God's major, major, major plan. Yes, he heals, but he does it for a purpose in this chapter. He does it so that they will see that he is who he says he is. Okay. Yes, Jesus did a lot of healing, but his main purpose is teaching the word of God. That ought to be our main purpose, teaching of the Word of God. Can God heal today? Of course He can. I mean, let's be honest. If we don't believe He can heal, then why have prayer, right? But the main focus is the Word of God, teaching of the Word. I said this Sunday. I'll say it here. And I've said it often, and I will continue to say it. If you want to connect with God, the only way I know to be connected with Almighty God is through His Holy Word. Okay? Anything else is a substitute, uh, you know, is not adequate, okay? So many churches try to use gimmicks and, you know, programs and this and that to try to get connected to God. Listen, Bible study. That's the way to get connected with God, through the Holy Bible. Verse 16, um, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. So we see the prayer life of the Lord Jesus, and I would just throw this out again. If he needed to pray, being the perfect son of God, how much more do we need to pray, being, uh, being imperfect? I think we need to pray, right? Verse 17, And it came to pass on a uh, certain day 
as he was teaching, there he is teaching again, that there were, now watch this, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law, these are big uppity-ups in the church, sitting by, which were come out of every town for, uh, every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Now notice this, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So these big uppity-ups in the church, they're there, and God's power is present. He's teaching the word. Watch what happens here, verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, had a terrible disease, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. So they were trying to bring this guy in. They couldn't find a way. Too many people, verse 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they said, okay, there's more way than one way to skin a cat. They went up on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. They said, well, you know what? We're going to go to ultimate extremes here. We want to get this guy to Jesus. And we can't do it, so we'll do it another way. And, and so they go through the roof. And very unusual. You know, just you know, just imagine you're teaching, pastor, you're teaching somewhere, and all of a sudden <laughs> the roof opens up and the bed drops down. Okay, and this guy laying there. Okay, that's what happens here, right in front of everybody. Okay, now watch here, watch verse 20. This is crucial. You get this. And when he saw their faith. Okay, who's the there? Well, if you're diagramming this, you're going to draw a line from the word there up to the guys who are bringing him in. Okay, when he saw their faith, he said unto him. Who's the him? Well, you draw a line from him up to the guy on the bed if you're diagramming. Okay, so it's interesting here. He sees their faith. They bring him to Jesus. But now watch. He deals with this man individually here. Okay, so at some point, this man has to express faith. And we don't know this guy's heart. Maybe he's expressed faith already, and God knows that. I don't know. But look what he says to this man. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, it's interesting here, because if you're just an innocent bystander, you're watching this, you're listening to Jesus teach, all of a sudden this guy comes floating down from the roof, and he's laying on a bed sick. And Jesus says something they don't expect. They expect him to heal him or raise him up or whatever. He looks at him and says, oh, your sins are forgiven. <clears throat> okay, so a couple things here. Number one, it could be some have, some have suggested that this man may have had a disease that was caused by his past actions. That's possible. You know, there's, you know there are behaviors that you can get involved in today in our world that can make you sick. You can be promiscuous in your life. And if you are promiscuous, it can make you sick. You can get a disease from being promiscuous if you're not careful. And when we teach biology, when we teach science, we tell students, if you misbehave morally, you can get sick and you can die from your misbehavior because there are thousands, literally thousands of sexually transmitted diseases out there and you can catch one, okay? If you misbehave, you will get in trouble. Maybe not through a disease, but you, you'll get in trouble legally, you'll get in trouble with your family, you'll get in trouble you know, with your spouse. Lots of ways to get in trouble because of your sin. But this guy's sick 
And Jesus, first thing he says, thy sins are forgiven. Your sins are gone. Now, there's going to be a reaction. You know what? I've said this before. I'll say it again. There's always a reaction when the word of God is taught, isn't there? Always. Every time. Look at verse 21. And the, oh, we see the scribes here. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, they're half right here. They are right in the sense that, yes, God can forgive sin. He's the only one that can forgive sin. They just didn't recognize that he's God, okay? That's where they made their mistake. And I'm saying this morning that you can have forgiveness of sins. We've talked about this the whole time I've been on this morning. Your sins can be forgiven, guys. Okay? But, notice this. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, and here again I want to point this back. Jesus knows our thoughts. Even if we don't verbalize them, he knows what we're thinking. He knew what they were thinking. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them. Who's the them? Scribes, Pharisees, all the church uppity-ups, I call them. What reason ye in your hearts, he continues, whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or, or to say, rise up and walk. But, now here's the reason he does the healing, okay? Now, this is important for you to get because so many times we hear people say, God heals, God's going to heal, let's have a healing service, let's do this, let's do that. God's not interested in doing a show, okay? Now, I'm not suggesting that every time we pray for people, it's for show. I'm not saying that, but many times it can be if we're not careful, okay? God has a specific reason for doing what he's doing here. Verse 24, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins... He said unto the sick of the palsy, uh, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. So he's going to prove he's the Messiah, and he's going to prove here that he's able to forgive sin. And immediately he rose up before them and took up th uh, that whereon he lay and departed to his, uh, to his own house glorifying God not just because he was well but because his sins were forgiven so the issue here was the forgiveness of sins not so much the healing the healing was to prove who he was his healing was the proof I am the Messiah I am the one sent I am the one who can do something in your life it's not just for a show okay notice you know there are several times where there's one instance, and we'll get into this when we get into the book of John later on. And John 5, you know, he walks up to the pool of Bethesda. Lots of people there, sick, got infirmities of different types. Yet he picks out one man, you know, why doesn't just Jesus heal them all, right? Well, okay, I, I don't know why he picks that one guy there at, at, at Bethesda. Okay, uh, far be it for me to, you know, get in the mind of God here, okay? And... They were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were what? And were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. So they didn't know what to do with it. They just, you know, the church people, you know, the uppity-ups in the church didn't have a clue what was going on. They didn't know what was going on. Verse 27, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican. Now, a publican was a tax collector in that day. He was... 
a, a now tax collectors were not only hated by the Jews, hated by the average Roman, I guess you could say as well, because typically what publicans did, okay, let's say you owed $20 in taxes, they might come to your house and say, well, guess what, you owe 50, and you couldn't argue with them, so you had to pay the 50, so they pocketed 30 and paid the Roman government 20, right? Okay, so they were thieves as well. But here's this publican, and his name, the Bible says, is Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom. He's there in the tax office, and Jesus walks by, and he said unto him, follow me. So here's an invitation for the worst of the worst, thief. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now, verse 29, and Levi, now here's the proof. Okay, look, you know, um, if God does something in your life, there's going to be a reaction, okay? If God works in your life in a special way, there's going to be uh, actions that follow your conversion. Now, what he does beginning in verse 29 wasn't to get forgiveness of sin and to get saved. The Bible says he already is following Jesus. He rose up to follow Jesus. And he says he's going to do that. Okay? And so, Jesus here is continuing. And, um, so, Levi is going to show proof. He's not doing this, as I said, to gain salvation. He's doing what he's about to do because he is saved. Look at verse 29. The man's been forgiven. What does he do? Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. So he says, okay, I'm going to make Jesus a feast. Look what he does. And there was a great company of, you guessed it, publicans and of others that sat down with them. And so here is Levi and he is gloriously saved and he says okay you know what not only am I going to make Jesus a feast to honor him I want people to hear okay so that's that's what Jesus is doing he he is he's there Levi is here but okay so we have this we have the church police come back again okay <laughs> but their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners. That's the church police. You know, that's those are the big uppity ups in the church. Uh, why are you hanging around those people? Man, you're supposed to be in the church. You're, you're, you know, you're not supposed to be hanging around that crowd. Okay. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Okay. So you don't go to the doctor and see people there. I'm just here to see the old doc today, man. I just, you know, I. Kind of like that shot he gave me a month ago, and I want another one. Okay, no, no, that doesn't happen. People who are sick go to the doctor, not people that are well. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, so Jesus points it to them right where he wants it to go. You need a Savior. And now, here's what I would say in this case, and I've said this before. There are some things God cannot do. You say, whoa, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I thought God could do anything. Well, yeah, that's true, God can do anything, but there are some things He can't do. Let's name a couple. Well, God cannot lie, obviously. 
God cannot go against His Word. But there's one other thing God cannot do. And that is, God cannot help you if you don't acknowledge you need help. You see, there's an old saying that's so not true. You know, you've heard it, I've heard it. God helps those who help themselves. No, He doesn't. God helps those who realize they can't help themselves and they need a Savior. Okay? That's who God can help today. Those who come to Him, I'm undone, I am lost, I've tried everything, I can't do it, I can't get, I, you know, I can't be good enough. And here's the thing. Some people, okay, the word sin is an archery term. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're archers, okay? So we shoot the arrows. Now, here, here's the thing. Some shoot the arrow. I mean, it's so close to the bullseye. It looks like it hit the bullseye, but it's so, oh, it's so close. But yet, it's so far because it's not on the bullseye. Then there's some people that hit it way off, and there's some people that don't even hit the target. They, they miss it, okay, by a million miles. But still... Everyone that shoots misses. We all sin, okay? You say, well, I don't do those things the guy down the street does. Well, maybe you don't. I don't beat my wife. I don't deal drugs. I don't, I don't commit adultery at work. Yeah, but do you lust after your secretary? You haven't committed adultery with her physically, but do you lust after her? Well, then Jesus says you've committed adultery with her in your heart. Ugh. Yeah, that's what he says. Matthew 5, look it up. Uh, do you hate your neighbor? Uh, I don't know about that. Haven't killed anybody. Yeah, but you've hated someone without a cause. And, okay, so you've murdered them, Matthew 5. Wow. Okay, so we need a Savior. Okay, we're in bad, we're in bad shape, people. I'm just telling you. We have issues, you know, as we would say today. We have issues, and the issue is sin. Okay, you need to get saved if you're not if you're not saved today. You need to trust the Lord as your personal Savior. Right, well, I went and confessed my sins last Sunday. Well, you confessed to the wrong guy. He can't help you. Okay. The dude can't help you. Okay. The only the only person that can forgive your sin is Jesus. You better talk to him about your sin today. Don't talk to the guy down the street. Don't talk to your clergyman. He can't help you. He's got his own sin. He's a sinner too, by the way. All right. He's the one that needs, uh, you know. Okay. So, verse 33. And they said unto him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? So they want to get off in this religious discussion here. And likewise, likewise the disciples, uh, the Pharisees, but, but thine eat and drink. Okay, so they want to get into a religious argument. And he said, verse 34, unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while, notice this, the bridegroom is with them speaking of himself but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then shall they fast in those days he's speaking of his death and resurrection and his eventual ascension to heaven verse 36 and he spake also a parable unto them okay now this goes back to their tradition okay no man no man putteth a peace of a new garment upon an old if otherwise then both both the new maketh the rent and the piece that was taken out of the new 
agreeeth not with the old. So you can't mix old tradition with new ideas. You got to have one or the other, okay? And so tradition. Here again, if you if you try to stick with the old tradition, uh, there's going to be a problem. Same thing here in verse 37. And no man putteth new wine into old. Now the Bible says bottles here, so I'm reading King James. When you think of bottles, we think glass bottles, but that's not what this was. Actually, the more modern translations actually do a better job of this. Wine skins, okay? So we're looking at wine skins, something that stretches, okay? But what happens when you put new wine into old wine skins? Okay, else the new wine will what? Burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles and both are preserved you know there are a lot of ways you could apply this but tradition is what he's talking about here okay um, so you, you you can't go into the old traditional places and do new stuff you gotta go and just start over you know God from time to time in history will do new things now he won't change the message but he'll do it in a different way in the late 60s and early 70s he used the Jesus movement and the organized church hated that movement they still do to this day uh, you know don't hang around those people they're weird you know they do weird things you know they they don't they don't dress right and all that kind of stuff I'm not gonna go into all that that's been over well you know today God may do something different that the organized church doesn't like okay so you gotta use new wine and new bottles etc etc verse 39 no man also no man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new for he saith the old is better so he's really speaking of tradition here well okay so um, Jesus here is is involved in getting people out of their comfort zone helping them to realize they need a savior and in fact I may title this podcast uh, you need a savior. I was looking at this earlier. I have to title the recording before I make it. When I upload it, I got to title the podcast, and and so uh, I may just title this. You need a savior, and you do. You need a savior. Okay. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your lot in life is, how religious you are or are not. You need a savior. And 40 years ago, I came to a place where I realized I needed a savior. And I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I hope today that you will do that as well. How do I do that? A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a matter of the heart. And then right there where you are, you can call upon Him. I need a Savior. Lord, would you forgive me? I've sinned. My life is broken. I am not uh, the man I should be, the woman I should be. But I am willing to turn to you. Will you forgive me? And you know what, folks? He will do that. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you, give you a home in heaven. But while you're down here, he'll give you a new plan for life. He'll give you a new purpose in life. Okay, we'll pick up in Luke 6 on Thursday. And we hope you enjoy these podcasts. If you do, uh, put a comment there. Hey, I like them. I don't like them. I wish you would do this. I wish you wouldn't do that. Whatever, say something. If you've gotten saved, hey, we want to hear about it. If you can share these, we'd love for you to share them. Give them to your friends. Get them on the podcast. Get them to subscribe. Hey, that's how this thing grows, okay? You, you the audience. 
are the key to this. Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, bless those who listen and, and who will listen. Help us to get out the Word of God. Help people to find out they need a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Thursday.